That's, uh, that wasn't me. <laughs> That's a movement, though, not just a camp, right? And so what an honor that it is to get to uh, speak and get to preach uh, over the next three hours together. I'm joking. And so anyway, listen, I want to introduce my family. You don't have to turn around. They're not here, uh, but there's going to be some pictures on the screen. Uh, I think, and so, okay, here we go. This is our Christmas card of this past year, and so with the Home Alone theme, my wife, Kirsten, my daughter, Ansley, my son, Cross, uh, and I, I don't know, I, after looking at this picture, uh, there were two, like, bad guys, and so we got three bad guys, so I guess, I guess you can just call the guy on the right Dallas, that kind of makes sense uh, with the attire. Uh, this morning, but that's my family. Uh, the next slide is just a, a quick uh, slide about what, what I'm about. Um, I've been in student ministry for 25 years, and in 2015, uh, probably made one of the hardest decisions of my life. Uh, stepped out from my church. We were at a solid church, uh, solid student ministry, and started traveling full time. Uh, we'll celebrate uh, eight years in September, which is a blessing uh, in itself, but. M516 is just based out of Matthew 516 that says, let, let your light shine before others so that when they see your life, they'll give uh, glory to God and, and heaven. And so that's what M516 is. That's what we've been, been doing for the past eight years. And so uh, not, not a happenstance or coincidence that we uh, crossed paths with Journey students at Ponderosa uh, in Colorado back in June. And so... Anyway, I want to, uh, I'll introduce the next slide. You don't have to bring it up yet. Um, I want to I talk to you this morning. If you got your Bibles, uh, Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse uh, 25. But I want to talk about something that I believe that is, that is vital in the church. And, and the message, if, you're, if you want a title, it would be uh, living with intention or being intentional, but also uh, living a life just with a sense of urgency. Uh, today uh, that we have around us. Now, I want to show you something that's very familiar, and I can't really see anybody this morning, but it's all good. Um, we're in church, and so what I'm going to ask you is a question about an image that is familiar to you. Now, this is not a group effort, so the person next to you, you're not on a team. Uh, this is an individual effort, and so again, a reminder, we are in church, so don't lie, all right? So so here we go. This image is something that is very familiar, uh, a FedEx logo. Listen, you live in Amarillo. You probably see all these big trucks all the time going down I-40 and so on. So when you see uh, an image that I'm going to ask you that's in this logo, I want you to just simply uh, raise your hand. Now, there is an arrow in the logo. Now, when you see the arrow in the logo, I want you just to simply lift up your hand. If you don't see it, you don't need to tell the person next to you. Uh, if I'm in the way, sorry, uh, I'll stand in the middle, okay? Uh, all right, now put your hands down. Now, let's just be honest, right? Who hasn't seen the arrow? Just raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. I see that hand, Tony. All right, anybody else? So if I could go up here, I don't have a little, you know, pointer. But if you look at the white space in between the E and the X, there's an arrow, right? You know, what's crazy is that thing's been there for a while, right? So let me give you, let me give you 
an example of something. Every time, I'm going to guarantee you this, every time you see a FedEx truck, a FedEx minivan, that's what we used to get in Elk City. They didn't bring the big trucks to the small towns. But you will see that arrow. It will, it will, it will go to you. And for whatever reason, FedEx intentionally put that in there, right? And so here's a bonus question, all right? There won't be as many of you that will find this, but let's try anyway. When you see a spoon, raise your hand like you eat with. A spoon, raise your hand. All right, not as many. Hand pops up now. All right, all right, put your hands down. If you don't see a spoon, raise your hand. It should be the vast majority of you. Come on, we're in church, so raise your hand. Listen, nobody really cares about the spoon. But if you look in the blue little E in the bottom space, it kind of looks like a spoon. All right, but listen, forget the spoon. We're just going to focus on the arrow, right? I believe that FedEx put that in there intentionally for whatever reason. I haven't Googled it. I don't know why. But I, I want to ask you this morning, are you living your life in Christ with intention? Are you being intentional with your faith? Are you living your life with Christ with a sense of urgency? Listen, there's so many people around us that don't know Christ. There's so many people around us that don't have a relationship with Him. We're going to celebrate baptisms. I think uh, some of the students that were at camp, along with adults and children as well, what a, what a cool thing and a packed house that we, that we see uh, this morning. This is an exciting place to be, but listen, we don't live here. We live outside of here, and so I'm asking you this morning, do you live your life with intention? Are you intentional with your faith? Now, we're intentional with our sports teams, and I can set myself up for that. I mean, I, I am wearing a Dallas jersey, and some of you aren't, and uh, that's, uh, that's okay. I did hear that there were a couple of Philadelphia fans in this church, and uh, don't, uh, yeah, you can cough and say your team all you want to over there. Um, and the 49ers are okay, but the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I'm glad that, uh, are there any Philadelphia Eagle fans in the room? That's good, because if there was, I'm going to change my message to Old Testament and talk about sacrifices, and then we are going to do that at the end of the service. No, right here on the loop, man, we're going to get some, get some news. And so I want to, I want to show you four examples in scripture this morning of ex examples of living life with uh, being intentional, but also challenging us also to live our lives with a sense of urgency because time's running out. Time is ticking. We don't know how long we have. And listen, man, the soul's at stake. And so I, if you've got your Bibles, it's going to be Luke chapter 10, verse 25. This is the first example. If you're taking any kind of notes, again, there's going to be four examples this morning. So we see Luke chapter 10. Uh, verse 25, it says, The lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, Jesus, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor. Now I'm going to read this story to you that might be familiar uh, in this text this morning, but I want to show you maybe a few things that you might not have seen before as we look at the story of the Good Samaritan students. If we, you remember back at camp, uh, a couple of things, they've already recognized him as a teacher. We talked about that on one of the nights. Uh, we also looked at a Samaritan and how the Samaritans and the Jewish culture, they hated each other. You're going to see that.
yet again this morning because this Jew, Jewish lawyer tests Jesus and he wants to justify himself and all these different things and he's trying to trick him. And so look what Jesus says here applies to this story in verse 30. It says, a man was going down from Jericho or from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among ro- amongst robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when they saw him, he passed by on the other side. And left. Likewise, the Levite also, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan was on a journey and came up to him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds and pouring oil and wine on them and put him on his own beast and brought him to the inn to take care of him. Verse 35 on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave him, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I return. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he says in verse 37, The one who showered mercy towards him, and Jesus said to him, Go and sin. Now in this text, again, you see this expert of the law, this Jewish lawyer coming and approaching Jesus and asking Jesus some questions and Jesus responds to the story that we just read. He answers him and he says that he understands the law. I mean, he's an expert in the law and Jesus says, what does, what is this written in the law? So we see in the beginning text, the beginning verses, uh, he says, man, the law demands a total devotion to God, but also to one's neighbor. But in verse 29, it says that he wanted to justify himself. That's an interesting phrase. This expert lawyer wanted to justify himself. And so he says, who's my neighbor? And so he takes this question to a different level. And then Christ again illustrates the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't know if you know this or not, but the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho was about 17 miles. And it was a harbor for thieves. There were places in this journey along this path where thieves would hide. And thieves would, you know, whether it's in caves or hide out in different places. And so we see that someone is minding their own business, doing their own thing, making their own journey, traveling by themselves. And this person gets beat up. They get robbed. They get left uh, for dead. And, And it's interesting that we see a couple of different people come by. It says that there was a priest that comes by first. Now, if you don't know this, the priests in biblical times were the ones that were uh, the leaders at the temple, the church. And so we see that my Bible says that the priest comes by and saw him. Uh, It doesn't say that he stopped to help him, but what it says is that he passed by on the other side. Isn't that interesting? So the priest comes and just simply he avoids the problem. Now, what is a Levite? It says a Levite comes and it says when he came uh, to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side as well. So you see a priest that comes by simply avoids the problem. Second, we see a Levite comes by, which, by the way, a Levite is not a priest, but a Levite is also somebody that serves in the temple. If you follow me, say I am. And as we think about that, as we look at that, these are these are people that not only avoids the problem and treats it as an object of curiosity, but these are temple-going people, and they both disregarded somebody that was in a desperate need. Listen to this. How easy is it for those who handle the rituals of religion 
to become callous and treat opportunities to minister as trivial and commonplace. And by the way, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And our relationship with Christ should dictate how we live. Our relationship with Jesus should be at the forefront of our mind, be living our lives with intention for Him, living our lives with urgency for Him, because there are people around us that might not be beaten and might not be half dead, but I'm telling you what, they're spiritually dead, and they're on a crash course that's leading to destruction. And you and I have an opportunity, not as the Savior, there's only one of those, but you and I have an opportunity to live our lives in such a way to help. But thirdly, we see a Samaritan man who saw the injury not as an object or a problem to avoid or a curiosity, but the Samaritan was a saw a person that needed to be loved and helped. He not only stopped to check on this man, but he paid to have him taken care of, and then he offered to pay more in need. He knew what it meant to be kind to his neighbor, even though he was looked upon as impure and worthless. I don't know if you know this, but the Jewish culture hated Samaritans. They thought that they were impure. They thought that they were worthless individuals. And yet it's interesting that Jesus uses this example to an expert in the Jewish law and basically says, listen, this is <laughs> what we were supposed to do. If I ask you, though, this morning, uh, Journey Church, who was intentional in the story, man? Just like I asked you about the, the arrow in the FedEx logo, all hands would go up when you're talking about the Samaritan, right? The Samaritan was intentional, right? The Samaritan was living in that moment for uh, some urgency for somebody that he didn't even know. But listen, the priest and the Levite were intentional, too. They were intentional, not in a way that would honor Christ, but they were also intentional. But when we come across people yet all the time that need, that need Jesus, we just go about our own business. Is that any different than the first two guys in the story? Uh, before I shift to number two of examples this morning of people being intentional and living their lives with a sense of urgency, I want to go back to verse 37. It's interesting. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and all the things that took place there. But isn't it interesting what takes place in verse 36? He goes, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robbery? And I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if it's on the screen or not. Um, and you can take that off if you want to. You can just put your own logo up there. There's no reason to look at the arrow for the next 30 minutes. And he said... Which one of these, man, were intentional with their faith? And watch this. This Jewish lawyer hated the Samaritan so much that he didn't even have the backbone to call him what he was. He says, which one was the neighbor? Which one showed favor? Which one was the neighbor in the, to the man who fell into Robert's hands? Verse 37, it says, the one who showed mercy towards him. Then Jesus said, go and do the same. Do you realize the fact he didn't even use the word Samaritan because he hated them so much? But yet Jesus didn't say, oh, there was just somebody that showed mercy to this person. Jesus intentionally, I think, said, listen, this person was a Samaritan of which you don't like, of which you think is impure, of which you think that is worthless. And yet this is the person that absolutely did what I am talking about. But he hated him so much that he didn't even have the backbone to call him who or what he was. The second example this morning, if you're taking notes or if you're thinking through this, of somebody in Scripture that was absolutely intentional 
if you were to ask me, I might have shared this at camp this summer, but if you were to ask me outside of Jesus Christ, who would be the one that you would admire in the Bible, and hands down, it's Paul. Number one, you see the Samaritan, the priest, and the Levite wrapped in one little bundle of intention. Number two, you see uh, an example of this guy named Paul. I could do a whole week series just on this one individual of the Bible. But Paul's background shows us an interesting change, right? There was an interesting change, and I think we talked about this at camp, I'm not sure. But there's an interesting change between Saul, the persecutor, I know we did, Saul, the persecutor, and then when he met Christ in Acts chapter 9, going to Paul, the the, the disciple, Paul, the, the apostle. And so when you see Paul, and he met Jesus, it all changed. The conversion didn't stop at salvation, but this man persevered through the end. Paul, got it. Church, listen to me to, right now. Listen, when you give your life to Christ and you surrender your life to Christ, that means that you bow your life to him. That means that you give your life to him. Baptism is a second part of our faith. What, what saves a person is what they do with Jesus. Baptism is secondary, although it's very important of our, of our faith, man. It's just saying, listen, man, you're going to see it. There was a time that I didn't have Christ in my life, and I was buried in the water to represent the old life with, with him. But I come out of the water that represents a new life that I have in Jesus. And when you surrender your life to Christ, man, Paul did it. And when Paul surrendered his life to Christ, he didn't look back to Saul. Listen, I say this to maybe some adults this morning. When you gave your life to Christ, man, you are a new creation. Paul even says that in 2 Corinthians. But why do we go back to the old? Paul never went back to Saul. He never looked. He never said that he was Saul. Listen, I'm just saying this to us this morning. When you give your life to Christ, man, listen, that's a different deal. doesn't matter if you're a 49er fan or not. But when you give your life to Jesus, what matters is that you are a new creation in Him. And that you don't go back to the old self. You don't go back to the, the old life, right? Can I get an amen in Amarillo this morning? And so Paul got it. Listen, I love it. In Galatians 6, chapter 14, Paul says this, But, but it may never be that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Listen, man. All the time, we boast about us. We boast about our things. Oh, do you know what my kid did? Do you know what I did? Do you know what we did? Listen, man, in, in the life of Jesus, we aren't to boast about me and you. We are to boast about him because it's all about him. He says, but may it never be that I would boast in me, but that I would boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you haven't heard anything this morning, but hear this. When we find our identity in Jesus, we will be intentional and we will live our life with urgency in our faith and that will be or should be contagious. And that should be something that we are contagious with, with our faith. Am I talking about strep throat? No, but yes. When you have strep throat, sometimes you are contagious. Listen, do people know who you are? outside of the walls of a Sunday morning church? Do people know who you are when you are downtown or when you are at school or when you are at work? Listen, man, we didn't... Churches are an awesome place to be, and this is one that I would love to be. I, I shared with a friend of mine 
uh, that I was going to be preaching here. He lives here. And he goes, what church are you preaching at? And I told him, Journey Church. He said, oh, man, that's a great church. Listen, man, there's probably some great people in here too, but the people outside of this church know who you are when you come inside of the church. And so as we boast, man, may we never boast. Check this out, dude. I'm going to get going right now, and I'm going to probably sweat some more, and and I might even pass out, dude. So, so you and you better come get me here in just a minute. Listen to this. You want to talk about boasting? You want to talk about someone living his life in intention? Listen, he put people in jail because if they were a part of the way. This is Paul. Number two. Romans chapter 3, 24, that we are justified, which means declared not guilty of sin. Romans 8, 1, that there's no condemnation that awaits us. Romans 8, 2, that we are set free from the law of sin that leads to death. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, that we are sanctified, which means made holy and made acceptable in His sight. 1 Corinthians 1, 30, that we are righteous in, righteous in and only in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.22 That we will be made alive at the resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5.17 That we are the new creatures. That we are new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.21 That we receive God's righteousness. Galatians 3.28 That we are one in Christ with all believers. I don't know if you're getting excited yet, but I am, so I'm just going to keep going. Ephesians chapter 1 That we are holy and blameless in Jesus, Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, that we are adopted as God's children. Ephesians 1, 7, that our sins have been taken away, man, and that we are forgiven. Ephesians 1, 10, and 11, that we will be brought under Christ's authority. Ephesians 1, 13, that we are identified as being belonging to God. Ephesians 2, 6, that we have been raised up to set with Christ in, in uh, His glory. Ephesians 2, 10, that we are God's work of art. Ephesians 2.13, that we've been brought near to God. Ephesians 3.12, that we can come with freedom and in confidence into the presence of Christ. Ephesians 5.29 and 30, that we are members of Christ's body, the church. Colossians 2.10, that we are made complete in Christ. Colossians 2.11, that we are set free from our sinful nature. And 2 Timothy 2.10, that we will experience eternal glory. Listen, that's a guy, that's a guy who knew that once he gave his life to Christ, man, this is a game changer for me. I'm not going back to the old life, bro. I'm going to the new life. I'm going to Christ, and I'm going to take as many people with me as possible. That's what you and I are to be. That's what you and I are to be, that we are to be the church and the light, that we represent Christ. And when we boast, man, we don't boast in me. We don't boast in my accomplishments, that we boast in what Jesus has done for me. Can I finally get another amen? In Amarillo, Texas. Listen, I tell you what, there are an example this morning of a Samaritan. There's an example of a priest and a Levite too. And also we see an example of Paul, an incredible individual that didn't start out that way, but absolutely sold out to Christ. There's a third example this morning. And the third example in Scripture... (coughs) of somebody being intentional and urgent is Satan. The word Satan means adversary. Other names that represent this enemy that is absolutely real and that is creating havoc in our world would include the following. 
the great opposer of God, the devil, Lucifer. By the way, our culture makes television shows named that, that you can stream today and makes a mockery and man, oh, the, the, the devil, this is funny. Listen, there's nothing funny when it comes to this enemy. He's the false accuser. He's the tempter. He's the wicked one, the ruler of this world, the prince of power of air, the god of this age. And by the way, it's a lowercase g because there's only one god that deserves to be capitalized. The father of lies, the evil one, and the prince of darkness. Listen, I believe that Satan's uh, darts and methods and and, uh, weapons are to do some great havoc and to cause some destruction. But I believe this one, and I hope that you're um, listening this morning, if you're a believer this morning, I believe that one of his methods that he wants to do is to silence the gospel amongst people who represent the gospel. I believe the enemy wants to silence the gospel in people who are represented by the gospel. That's you and me. And I believe that he seeks to stop the spread of God's word and stops the spread of the gospel. And I want to tell you something. If you want to experience this thing called revival in your church, what I would hope that if I were to ask you that, not just something about an arrow in a FedEx logo that you see, I would hope that you would have a desire to see revival take place in your church. I would hope that you would have a desire to see revival take place in your home. I would hope that you would have a desire to see revival take place in your own individual spiritual life. But I'm telling you what, man, it's time that the silencing of the gospel has to come to an end. That you and I talk about stuff that matter to us. That you and I talk about things that get us excited about it. That you and I talk about stuff that is important to us. Why don't we talk about the gospel? Why don't we share the gospel with people? Listen, man, the average believer only spends 10 minutes uninterrupted in God's word on a daily basis. Most people don't share the gospel. Most people don't, don't lead other people to Christ. Why is that? We can take them to the ball game, though. And we can take them to wherever we want to. But, man, I'm telling you, you're talking about life and death. You're talking about living a life with urgency. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and few find it. But wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. Listen, what that means for the church today is that you and I are to take a stand for who we are in Christ and to open our mouths and to share the gospel with people by talking to, with them to people, by sharing it with, the, with people. We can't, listen, the field, the dreams model of the church is gone. Build it and they will come. Listen, there are so many people in this city and every city for that matter in America today where churches are meeting just like this. There are way more people outside of this, these buildings than there are inside. I'm telling you, we have to come to a place to where the silence of the gospel has to stop. That means we need to be vocal about it. That doesn't mean that we, we Bible bash people. That doesn't mean that we have a mentality of, 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 of being, being rude about it. But man, with compassion. But when's the last time you were broken over somebody that's lost in your life? When's the last time that you were broken and you were, that you shed a tear over somebody in your life that doesn't know Christ? Because the enemy doesn't want them to know Christ. And there's a battle for the soul that's taking place right now. It's a battle between light and darkness, something that we can't see. 
But I'm telling you what, this enemy is absolutely wreaking havoc in our world. And he will do anything to silence the gospel. I'm just saying, Journey Church, stop being quiet with the gospel. Start talking about the gospel. Start sharing the gospel. When you go back to school, students, man, what, you got a group of students right now that are, that what I would call are on fire for Christ. Listen, you don't have to, you can clap for that and encourage them and that. Listen, that we would all be on fire for Christ. You have the word, right? If you don't have a word, they sell them at Walmart. It's the greatest book, most sold book ever. Go buy it. I'm just saying, listen, man, that we would encourage the young people. Someone told me I, that they said, listen, I said, I think that revival is going to come in our land in my lifetime. That's what I pray. But I think it's going to take generations to be on board with that. Generations, old people, middle-aged people, young people, teenage people. And, and a lady that was a senior adult looked at me and said this, man, Ryan, I believe that it's going to take all generations. But she said, man, we need this younger one to be the starter. If you look at all revivals and all spiritual movements of history, they have two components. Number one, prayer. And number two, young people. Resilience. And so, man, may we encourage them. May we pour into them. May we love them. May we May we show them, because I believe, and I'm just saying this, I'm 46 myself, may not look it. Probably look 56. But there have been generations we've dropped the ball. We've missed it. This enemy, it says that he is like a roaring lion looking for something to devour. I don't know if you watch the animal planet, but when the lion grabs Bambi and... Mufasa grabs Bambi. <laughs> Mufasa doesn't look at Bambi and say, all right, man, the cameras are leaving. I'll let you go now. Time out. We'll come back and play tomorrow. What happens is, and I don't even like to watch this stuff, but this lion is about to wreak havoc and absolutely rip this deer to shreds. Sorry for the visual. But that's just part of how the animal kingdom works, man. The Bible says the enemy's like that. Guess who the, guess who the deer is? You. Guess who little Bambi is? That's you, right? But the enemy seeks to devour things like a roaring lion. Watch this. The enemy wants to not only devour us, and I'm going to get a little bit more personal, but Satan not only wants to devour you, but they want to destroy your family too. And your marriage, and your children, and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, if you have those, basically everything. To say that our world is evil Man, I don't have to say that. Our world is absolutely evil. And I'll be, I'll be sensitive to what I'm about to share. I'm going to come down. I already worked this out with the media people in the back. I know what to do and I know what not to do. I lived in Duncan, Oklahoma. And that's in the southwest corner of Oklahoma. And there was a young man that was in college. He was actually from Australia. And he went to Ada, Oklahoma, which is East Central uh, college, which if you, you know Oklahoma, which I know that there's a few of you that do, um, that's where I'm from, and so uh, anyway, I was a youth minister there in Duncan, but I had left, and so recently, not long ago, man, it's probably been several years, but it doesn't seem as long, there was a guy that came back from Australia visiting his family, and he was visiting friends in Duncan, listen, Australia, Duncan, Oklahoma, two different places, right, he just got back from Australia, and he was taking a jog on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And three kids in a car, I say kids, they were teenagers, pulled up in a car and basically 
in broad daylight and murder this guy. Absolutely evil. Don't have to tell you that there's evilness in our world that an enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. In the same community about a year or so later, I don't even understand stories like this. But there was a kid that went to the University of Oklahoma, and he left his cell phone in Norman, and he traveled home, walked, parked his car three blocks away from his house. And to keep this sensitive with the ears that are in the room, I'm going to try to do that as best that I can and still bring the point across. This boy um, basically took the life of his mom, his sister, and his dad. And then he drove back to Norman, got his cell phone, drove to Dallas, Texas, checked into a, an expensive hotel. It was in October around this little thing that we call the Red River Shootout. Goes to the ball game. They find his family on Monday. They call him. He comes back. Can't believe that somebody would do that. And by Thursday, he confessed. Now, that is absolutely not only evil, but that's absolutely just tragic. That comes from an enemy that wants to destroy your life, that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But listen, I'm not ending on this. Be thankful. James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. This is a verse that you need to memorize and pray over your family. This is a verse that you need to memorize and teach your children and your grandchildren. Listen, give your life to God. Submit to God. As believers, we don't belong to the enemy, even though the enemy wants to destroy us. And when Satan attacks, which he will, the Bible says, man, submit to God, resist the devil, and in Jesus' name, he will flee. Look at me. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's not just a song. And so some of you in this room, man, maybe you're being attacked. Maybe you're walking through some attacks right now. The enemy will attack you. It's going to happen. You want to look at somebody that, that is experiencing and has experienced spiritual warfare, you're looking at me. Man, I had the privilege this summer, I've got one more, it starts tomorrow, to be a part of seven camps this summer. And then in the middle of all that that crazy schedule, I get a bonus to be in Amarillo, Texas in a weekend and spend some time with some people that I haven't even known for that long, but it feels like I've known for a long time, and get to preach at the church where they go to and get to celebrate at the church where they go to, but I'm going to tell you, my friends, it doesn't matter your age, the enemy will attack you. Submit to the Lord. In Jesus' name, the enemy will flee. In Jesus' name, the enemy will flee. So you have, number one, the Samaritan story with the priest and the Levite. Number two, Paul. Number three, the enemy. Number four, they say the best is for last, right? The best example that we find in Scripture of being intentional, someone that lived their life with urgency, someone that lived their life with intentionality is Jesus Christ himself. Listen to this. The birth, the life, the ministry, the grace, the salvation, the healing, the love, the sacrifice, the death, 
the resurrection. And by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know anybody in history that died, borrowed a tomb, and gave it back three days later other than Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the way, the passion, the compassion, the truth, the servant, the mission, the gospel, the son. I'm not talking about the S-U-N. I'm talking about the S-O-N that tells the S-U-N when to come up and when to go back down. I'm talking about the light and the peace, the Savior, the Christ. And Jesus tells us as disciples and followers of him in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, listen, as you go... Proclaim this message that the kingdom of heaven is near. As you go today, wherever you may go, proclaim the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. Share the gospel. There's people that are dying and that need the gospel. There's people that have no hope and have no purpose. Listen, there is no hope and there is no purpose outside of a life that follows Christ. But as the believers and as the church today, that we would leave this place after we celebrate and that we would say, listen, man, as I go, that I want to proclaim the truth and the gospel of Christ and that I want to go and tell people about Christ and that I want to go and I want to boast about Christ. I want to I want to show people that I'm a part of Christ, that this isn't just a Sunday activity that I do, that I, that I want to go out and live in my world and be that example because you know what my friends we do not know how much time that we have left and therefore may we leave this place today different than when we came in this worship team is going to come back up where there's going to be a time of invitation and response there's going to be some people in the front that if you need to come down and have somebody pray with you or you need to make a decision listen maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Christ. Seventeen young people did from, from Journey Church at a, at a camp in Ponderosa, Colorado a few weeks ago out of 26 people. Listen, there could be somebody in this room. You may be in, uh, in your adult years and you've never truly given your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Could today be the day of salvation for you? Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. I'm going to go during this song and I'm just going to pray by myself right here, not for my flight home, not for my family that I'm not with today, but I'm going to pray for this church and this group of people that you would be a church that would be a light in a massive way in a dark world that we live in, but that the gospel of Jesus Christ would not be silent by the people that are represented in this room today. So let me pray for us, and then they're going to come and lead us. If you need to come forward again, there's going to be people that are going to be up here wait, waiting for you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity for the word. God, we thank you for the examples of people that were intentional. We thank you for the examples of people that absolutely lived their lives with a sense of urgency. We thank you for the good, the Samaritan person that, that helped that individual out that day probably save their life. God, I thank you for the example of Paul. God, even in the example of the enemy, I'm thankful for the fact that we don't belong to the enemy. And God, that the enemy that wants to destroy so many lives, maybe even this morning in marriages and families, God, I pray that you would be the God of restoration and healing. And God, the ultimate example of somebody that was intentional to the point of death on a cross, God, may we praise Jesus for that. May Christ be magnified in us as we leave 
this place today. And so, Father, if there's somebody that needs you, I pray that they would come and that they would give their lives to you. Somebody, Lord, that needs to, to follow you or join this church or needs somebody just to uplift them in prayer.